Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, man, I just got to say, if you have access to a Hulu account, please check out the Animaniacs reboot. It is... Uh, by and large, one of the best reboots I've seen of, of any property. I mean, uh, it encapsulated what I always enjoyed about Animaniacs. And I, th- there's so much to unpack with it that would honestly take an entire episode of this show probably to go over all of the details I love. But whereas a lot of people might find that uh, it's a bit of a stripped down show compared to the original. That That's one of the complaints I have, but at the same time, I think it's a positive uh, because every episode is devised of uh, a Warner cartoon, uh, the, the Warners, Pinky and the Brain, get a segment, and then at the end, there's either a song, there's like a third segment that's either a song or some kind of parody or something silly, and that's each episode. And they... I don't want to say fully ignore all of the other characters because at its core, Animaniacs was kind of like a variety show. You would get different shows, you know, different segments and these show these uh, these other segments had their own theme songs. And um, so it is kind of a bummer, but man, they really knocked it out of the park. Um, I, I've just been enjoying myself. So uh, if you like I said, if you have somebody who has Hulu, even if you don't want to purchase it yourself, I think Hulu is a great deal. I think if you still have Sprint, you might be able to get Hulu for free. Um, but I would definitely check out Animaniacs. Uh, and I'm a big Pinky and the Brain fan. So that was one of the big things I was excited about to see. And, you know, it's it's 22 years later, you know, it, there's going to be different writers working on it, different people. The voice acting it, it sounds slightly different, even though it's the same voice actors. They've all clearly aged a little bit, but it, it just you can still see that idea running on all cylinders like Animaniacs still work in 2020. And even if you don't even if you're not one of those people who really enjoyed it, you have to at least acknowledge that these characters can still work in 2020 uh pinky in the brain still like even though it's the same formula it still works all these years later it, it's really nice to see as a, as a fan of that series so uh definitely check that out um had a really good response to the uh a day in nickelodeon history segment that's going to be you know coming up on every episode of season two and i wasn't planning on doing anything else but literally today i was reminded of two uh, big occurrences that happened on November 24th. So uh, in, a, in a little bit of a second preview of this week in Nickelodeon, uh, Nick, this week in Nickelodeon history, I haven't really uh, cemented an idea for the for the segment. Uh, of course, before season two, I'm going to have everything kind of kind of done and completed. And I might have little jingles for for those segments. But uh, but yeah, November 24th is the uh was the debut of the jungle movie back in november of uh 2017 and this is also the uh november 24th 1996 the last episode of rocco's modern life aired on nickelodeon and it's weird it's it's the last episode aired but uh it's technically not the last episode in the series the last episode of the series was third to last future schlock which uh, directly connects it right to the beginning of uh, Static Cling on Netflix. So if you've watched that and the beginning kind of seems weird, you don't remember that well, go back and watch Future Schlock 
because that's technically the series finale and that's what kind of bleeds into that. But then we have this, uh, they clearly wanted to keep an episode around for Thanksgiving time because the the first part of the last episode is is the Thanksgiving uh, episode of Rocco's Modern Life, Turkey Time, and its second part is Floun- Floundering Fathers. Um, Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert spin tales about who really founded O-Town, the last episode of the series, so November 24th. 24th. Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie. I'm just happy that this exists. I, I thought, for the I-, I tried to explain this to so many people who didn't really know that Hey Arnold ended on a cliffhanger in 2004 um you you have this series starting all the way back in 1996 and and then its last few episodes air in 2004 with literally a cliffhanger which if anybody has seen those um i think they're somewhat beloved episodes uh i'm not a big fan of the journal simply because uh, I think for anybody who's known as Hey Arnold history here is the last few episodes that were ever made. Um, they they were pretty much on like a splintered crew. Like they almost had no crew working on those last few episodes. And the journal had a completely different Arnold voice actor that I think I think whoever voiced Arnold in the journal, it was their only episodes. Let me see. I got to double check on this. Um uh, I know Torin Torin Caudell uh, was hey, Ar- was Arnold in season one. Philip Van Dyke was Arnold in season two and three. Spencer Klein in season four. Um, Seventeen out of twenty episodes in season five, and was also uh, Arnold in Hey Arnold the Jungle. Uh, hey Arnold the movie. Uh, Rusty Flood as young Arnold in season four, episode sixteen, and uh, and then this is Alex D. Lintz. Three out of the 20 episodes from season five. It's April Fool's Day and uh, both parts of the journal, Um, which is just it's crazy. Like, I remember being excited for that episode because they build it as this is the story of Arnold's parents. And it was a big deal. And you watch it and he's and he's got a like a clearly a different voice. I don't know if. Alex was just the best option that they could find on on short notice. I don't know what happened with those last three episodes, um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely noticeable. All the other different voices I've listed there, you you can definitely if you take a season one Arnold episode and you and you put it up against a season three or four Arnold episode, yeah, it'll be different. But um, if you've watched, you know, new episodes as they were on TV, and and the, the change wasn't as stark as it was to be watching season five, hearing a different voice, hearing Spencer Klein, which we've been used to for the last two seasons, and then, boom, like these weird three episodes with this just off voice. But um, other than that, uh, the journal had set up the story of Arnold's parents, how they met, how they came together, how how Arnold came into existence, the story of of what happened. How did Arnold end up in the care of his grandparents, and where are his parents? And, it, and it, 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 even with the voice casting aside, it is still a compelling story because it answers questions we've always had from the beginning of the show. And the episode ends with Arnold taking the journal of, of his parents' story, their expedition, their the journal that they left 
and uncovering a map. The end of the episode has Arnold uncovering a map as to the lo- the possible location of his parents in the far off country of San Lorenzo. That's how the episode ends. And it, you can listen to many interviews with Craig Bartlett uh, from that. But what had happened was he was planning on a, a Hey Arnold movie to be made about Arnold going to San Lorenzo to to save his parents, essentially. Arnold and his class getting to San Lorenzo. And they were also working on a TV movie in which Arnold saves his neighborhood. Now, that sounds familiar for any fans out there who know that, well, that ended up being Hey Arnold the movie. I, I don't know if it was Nickelodeon or Paramount who came and convinced Craig, basically, hey, this TV movie idea of Arnold saving the neighborhood, let's put that in theaters. Let's have that be the theatrical movie. And... The Jungle Movie will be a sequel to that. It'll, you know, we'll we'll already have a built-in sequel. And Craig Bartlett was like, "Well, this is this is like a needed story. This this is like a, the big finale of the whole show. I'm building up to this." And I think there was promises and promises and and build up. And Hey Arnold, the movie came out to like a lukewarm reception and a lukewarm box office, and the Jungle Movie was shelved at that point for. <laughs> Like 13 years, uh, it, it, it was shelved. It sat there. The the idea of Arnold's parents and Craig was always open that this was the plan. Um, he never went into details on what that story would have been, but fans kept that idea alive for years, knowing that this story was supposed to exist so that eventually when Nickelodeon was kind of looking back at their catalog saying, hey, let's let's create some new um, TV movies, new new shows of of old IPs. Arnold was one of the first ones announced, and Craig Bartlett even brought fan made drawings to the pitch to kind of show what the story is and to use what the fans have helped keep alive, keeping that flame alive, and to help get that greenlit and made. Um, and it debuted, I think, as a simulcast on. Uh, Nickelodeon, Nicktoons, and Teen Nick on November twenty fourth, nineteen uh, two thousand seventeen, not uh, not nineteen ninety seven. But um, I watched that live on TV. Arnold coming across his parents. It's a tear jerking moment. It's something that any fan of that show has just been waiting to see. The the movie is absolutely a wonderful love letter to the show, and I think t- to me, in my opinion, did well enough to kind of justify just continuing hey arnold as a show uh i thought they did a wonderful job of just kind of updating the characters uh a bit more into a a modern world and they could have just hey made a season six right after the movie aired but it's been it's been three years now without even a a word on a possible season six so um, i'm not going to hold my breath on nickelodeon bringing that back unless uh, Rugrats comes back and actually just dominates in the in the uh, ratings, then maybe Nickelodeon might be a little bit more inclined to go, okay, let's bring back these shows um, uh, more more permanently as uh, as television shows. Even with the simulcast, I think if I remember correctly, uh, it it did good ratings as a TV movie, but was definitely under expectations as to what Nickelodeon had, which I think then what kind of deterred them to to keep Invader Zim and Rocco away for so long so that they could kind of pass it off to Netflix 
if you will, which I think just Netflix is just a much better option for these kind of things. Not everybody is going to be paying attention to television and, and to get people to watch something live. It, it, it It's tough because a lot of people will DVR it. They'll watch it later or then they know it'll show up on DVD or, or through video streaming services or to purchase on iTunes. Like the incentive to watch live is only going to be for the real hardcore of the hardcore and not really gauge a hundred percent of everybody who would watch the, the movie. So, um, that was a bit sad. And then, of course, Rocco, to, to just comment on that a little bit more, um, it did its it did its 52 episodes. It did its four seasons. That was about the 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 same run of Doug and uh, and Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats at the time. Like that was that was kind of it. So not not really a big deal that it ended. I don't think it got really uh, screwed out of anything. It, it's also one of those shows that never got a big long form adventure. So right after Arnold being announced to be brought back, Rocco was kind of that easy. It's maintained popularity for uh, so many years since it was off the air. And I think that was a smart choice. But but yeah, those two big monumental moments in Nickelodeon history happened this week. So, um, and I, like I said, <laughs> other than that, I, I, in my mind, I'm still, I'm not doing this next week unless literally the day I'm recording, I'm reminded of something big I can talk about. Other than that, uh, this segment is still 100% debuting during season two. And, uh, and who knows, maybe by next year we'll have, uh, have other stuff to talk about. Maybe other things will be happening right now in this week that will give me more things to talk about next year when we round back out to, uh, the end of November. But, uh, also let me just say with Thanksgiving coming up this week, uh, I just want to say from, from legitimately the bottom of my heart, I am thankful for anybody who has checked the show out. Um, from from any of the audio streaming services like Spotify, uh, if you found this show on YouTube or Facebook, uh, anybody who has spent even even uh, three seconds of their time to listening to a, a Nicktoons nerd talk about SpongeBob and and any other things in animation, I am fully thankful for you. Uh, if you're if you consider yourself a fan of the show out there, I am completely thankful for you. Uh, I hope you all have a have a safe holiday and uh, and definitely eat eat as much as you can. Don't let leftovers be gone because, well, Thanksgiving is actually really good for leftovers. Usually I I despise leftovers, but Thanksgiving is kind of the gimme then. Um, but yeah, our episode that we're going to be watching today is Hooky. It is the second to last episode of, of season one of SpongeBob. We are rounding out the end here of the first season. This is an exciting time. Um, but this is this is a, a big, fun episode because it actually answers a question that I had when this show first debuted on television, which was, I wonder what these characters would would say if they saw a hook, if somebody was was deep sea fishing. I, I wonder if they'll ever touch upon that. And they did later on in season one. So it seems like uh, I wasn't the only one asking those questions on what these characters would do if Hook started showing up in uh, Bikini Bottom. But we're going to take a quick break right before we get to the episode. And when we come back, we're going to watch. We're going to. And we're not just going to watch Hooky together. We're going to play Hooky. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. 
You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. All right, and we are back with the episode Hookie, which actually debuted in Canada first on October 21st, 2000, but actually aired uh, in the United States on February 23rd, 2001. Um, Before this was paired with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2, uh, Hookie was actually the very first episode of SpongeBob to be aired on its own, just as a single 15-minute segment. Um, From any of the information that I can find, it seems to kind of allude to uh uh SpongeBob being chosen during Slime Time Lives you pick and me I don't know if they advertised it as a new episode of SpongeBob you could pick that uh but if it did that was the first time it aired on February 23rd 2001 it's at least the earliest known air date uh in in America um but then it was paired with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2 on March 3rd, 2001. So if you missed that uh, Slime Time Live, then you definitely got it on the second time around when it was with its proper episode. Uh, Slime Time Live, that was uh, that was like the Nickelodeon TRL. And that's... <laughs> I'm just thinking that's not even like a known... How many people miss out on TRL who, who don't know what that is? Uh, for any of the younger viewers out there, uh, to- TRL was Total Request Live, which was an MTV show that aired uh, weekly. And it basically was was a live studio show and callers could come in and request music videos and they'd have little segments in between music videos. And it was a fun time. And uh, Slime Time Live was kind of the Nickelodeon version of that. It was a it was a live show where uh, viewers would get to vote on which Nicktoons to to watch, and they would have hosts. Uh, I remember Candace Bailey was was one of my favorite hosts of Slime Time Live. You'd have Pickboy. If you've ever seen Pickboy used in uh, in seg- like commercials or backstage stuff, Nickelodeon stuff, I think Pickboy is still around. I've seen him like at least in the last five years. I've seen Pickboy once, and I was like, he's still a thing. This is still going on. This is fantastic. I love it. Uh, it's a little weird if. He's not on on like a weekly basis or a daily basis like he was back then with Slime Time Live, but still nice to see Pick Boy. So if you'd want to watch along with me, uh, I'm going to be watching this as usual from Amazon Prime. I have this right at the beginning of the title card, and we'll actually play that right now. Um, so first off, one of the things I've been thinking about uh, while this is playing uh, of changing is not making every episode a commentary track. Um, only because I, I feel like sometimes stretching out, talking about something for 15 minutes, you know, kind of forcing it to be out there, um, might not be the best thing. So I've been kind of toying with the idea 
of uh, myself or my guest watching the episode before recording and then just coming on and talking about it. So uh, if that's something that interests you or if you like kind of going through the episode uh, uh, with me or with the guests and and having us watch it live, let let me know. Uh, Find me find uh, the show on social media and uh, and send me a message. I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely listen to any any feedback on that idea. I love the hooky title card. Let me just say, I know we already passed it. Um, but it's one of my favorite title cards probably of all time. It really has a sense of dread there. Uh, and I like the idea that all these, uh, all these fishermen are right above Bikini Bottom. I mean, for those that don't know, Bikini Bottom is, is essentially just out in the ocean. It's based off of Bikini Atoll. And so the the thought of like all of those fishermen being out there at the same time is kind of funny. Um, but Mr. Krabs is coming in here and it's it's funny that they used Mr. Krabs to to be the character here to to kind of be like the weirdo town crier to run around yelling about something that everybody should be warned about and no one is paying attention to him except for SpongeBob. SpongeBob is the only one willing to listen to him. I I wonder if it's just the fish in Bikini Bottom because Look, for anyone who's been fishing, the the chances of catching a, a starfish or a sea sponge or a squid, I, I mean, you're going to catch mostly fish. So the fact that like none of the fish are listening to Mr. Krabs and heeding his warning is kind of kind of striking because uh, they should be the most worried about it. Um, but yeah, nobody's paying attention to him. And here we have the, the threat of the of the gift shop. I wonder if 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 pretty much Mr. Krabs knows about Shell City. I mean, he doesn't if you've ever seen the SpongeBob movie, uh Mr. Krabs definitely isn't confused about Shell Shell City, but I wonder if uh when he's mentioning a gift shop if he knows that it Shell City is a gift shop. Cuz I feel like a few characters would have to know about that. Um but yeah, so <laughs> the I always love the idea that Patrick is trying to entice SpongeBob with the idea that they're going to a carnival. The carnival is back in town. Look at this. Look at all of those lures. That is a lot of people fishing in the same spot. Um and I don't know for for anybody out there who's used these kind of lures. They are at least for me, they are they are very. I've never really used them. I, I've I've owned really fancy looking lures, but um, it, it's all depending on the kind of fish you go after too. I, there's so many different kinds of hooks and different methods to use. I know that some lures you basically have to cast out and then keep kind of reeling it in, at, so the fish thinks it's a smaller fish and will latch onto it and then get hooked. Uh, but these fishermen are really not that good because Patrick's doing a lot of moving on these hooks, and they're they're so late to to catch any of them. Like right here, he he's hooked himself in the mouth on like eight hooks, and none of them are going up. Uh, and even the ones they do touch, it's it's such a late delay for them to for them to get caught. But uh, this is, I mean, just the the idea of the hooks. I think. They had real, they must have had a lot of fun working on this episode, writing this episode, because they, they've pretty much touched all of the bases of, of what I could imagine the hooks being in an episode like this. Um, 
during the uh, promotion of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, the movie, which I think was 2003. Let me look. Did Mr. Krabs tell you to not ride on him like a horsey? Uh, 2001. So uh, later on in the year when this aired, there was a... So Nickelodeon has done this once in a blue moon where they actually have... Um, characters or bumpers interact with the show at hand and during the promotion of jimmy neutron they actually had jimmy show up on screen during an airing of this episode and it changed spongebob patrick and mr krabs to puppets and if you've never seen this i would definitely go and uh go and check it out online it's certainly a uh, a weird experience imagine watching that live and having jimmy neutron come on the screen and, and change up what you're watching it would probably would freak people out. Uh, this is one of the first times, by the way, I think I, we've ever really seen Squidward in the kitchen. And he's terrible. He is terrible at making Krabby Patties. You'd think that to being one of the three employees at the restaurant that Squidward would at least be okay at the grill. Like, at least able to make a few Krabby Patties. But he just seems so terrible. I mean, before SpongeBob gets there, it was only Mr. Krabs and and Squidward. And I just, I know Mr. Krabs is a chef and can probably handle it without SpongeBob. But to not have, to not be able to have Squidward trained in the the right way to just be able to man the, the, the stove is just absolutely crazy. Um, of course, you know, the the term I love the title being hooky because it works in both ways. SpongeBob basically playing hooky, ditching out on work and then also going to play with these big old dangerous hooks. Uh Mr. Krabs I think he's a bit overbearing in this episode. I mean, um Patrick and SpongeBob yes are playing with something very dangerous, but uh, I think their methods are sound, you know, just making sure they're not hooking on you and, and letting go before the top. Um, here is here is one thing I kind of missed earlier is when uh, SpongeBob and Patrick were first kind of going up, there was some live action footage used there. And it's actually from a show um, archive recordings from the 1990 television series Fishing with John. And I looked this up. It's crazy. Uh, there was only six episodes of Fishing with John made, starring John Lurie. Um, he was one of the guys there, and it must be archive footage from the first episode because the other guy that appears is a uh, Jim Jar- uh, Jarmusch, who is a apparently a uh, director, a famous director of a bunch of independent cinema. He he has been a major proponent of the independent cinema since the nineteen eighties, and. None of the movies he has made, I does not sound familiar at all. Maybe I've seen one of them, one or two of them. But anyway, he's the other guy that's uh, that's fishing there, and it's crazy because episode three of uh, Fishing with John features Matt Dillon. Episode four features Will- Willem Dafoe, Mister Green Goblin there, and then episodes five and six of Fishing with John feature Dennis Hopper. That's a that is a quite uh, uh just to bring him up episode 2 is Tom Waltz uh or Waits but uh four out of the six of those episodes feature like pretty massive well-known actors there that must have been pretty cool 
Oh, Tom Waits is a musician. That that's why that name sounds familiar. When you're when you see it in a list of like Willem Dafoe and Dennis Hopper, your mind just like not freaks out, but is like, okay, wait, who is Tom Waits? Who is Tom Waits? Is he an actor? I've never heard of him before. No, he's a musician. But anyway, back to the episode at hand. That was just the uh, those are the live action moments there. Um, the image of like the surprised SpongeBob was actually used for an error screen. Uh, for the Game Boy Color game Legend of the Lost Spatula, if you put that cartridge in a uh, in a Game Boy like uh, an OG Game Boy, because it's a Game Boy Color game and it needs a Game Boy Color to work, so if you put it in one of the older ones or the Game Boy Pocket, you'll actually get a message that uh, says this game can only be played on Game Boy Color and has an image of SpongeBob. Clearly, you know, throwing. I love those little those little moments back then where you can put the cartridge. It'll still fit in a system, and you get a secret. It's kind of like putting Sonic One on the uh, Sonic and Knuckles dual cart for uh, for the Sega Genesis. Which, by the way, happy 20th, 28th anniversary to Sonic the Hedgehog Two, which came out this week as well. I just wasn't including that in uh, this week in Nickelodeon. I like the idea that SpongeBob would turn into tuna. I like Mr. Krabs convinced him he would be vacuum packed in a tuna can and uh it's just not it's not true. But yeah, he SpongeBob gets hooked here which it's just a really unfortunate joke to to play on him. I I I know the idea here is to to make sure he understands the danger of the hooks, but um I, I, I don't know. I, I think SpongeBob was being was being safe. He was he was having fun, but also being safe. But I guess maybe no one wants to uh, no one wants to risk it, especially Mr. Krabs. But yeah, he has Squidward kind of reeling him in. But uh, yeah, if somebody clearly whoever's now, if this was a real person, this would be like one of the worst fishermen ever because you know he's got something hooked and he's just not pulling it in. He's being really slow with it. Um. But I love the joke here that when he pulls, it's hooked on his his pants, and Mr. Krabs is basically like, "Hey, you're gonna have to take down your pants in front of all these girls," and uh, he does it, and it's hooked onto his underwear, <laughs> which, uh, which of course then then ends in hilarious fashion. Um, this episode was used in a lot of ways when it comes to video games. There were a lot of Fisher Price uh, interactive games and DVDs that had to do with this episode. Like the idea of the hooks being a danger uh, has been used pretty, pretty much um, in any kind of virtual entertainment medium, because even the hooks um, themselves are up here in many SpongeBob video games. Of course, Battle for Bikini Bottom, the movie video game. Um, and then, of course, you know, Dutchman's Dash. Never actually heard of that one. Is that one of the uh, Nick.com games? Yes, it is. Look at that. Play at dandare.org. Oh, it looks like uh, it's so unfortunate. As a um, as a fan who grew up in the time of like the early internet video games on like Nick.com, Cartoon Network.com, and uh, I wish there was just more preservation of those of those old like one-off games, but uh, but yeah, we have SpongeBob in the end, kind of learning learning a bit of a lesson here with uh, with not playing with the hooks, uh, and Patrick getting dropped off as a tuna can. 
Uh, it, it's really, it, it's actually now thinking about it because I was going to say one of my absolute favorite Rocco, like my favorite Rocco's Modern Life episode is the season four episode Fish and Chumps. And it's so funny that years later realizing that Steven Hillenberg himself actually helped create the story of Fish and Chumps, which has to do with Rocco Heifer and Filbert. Uh, going deep sea fishing and I think I've even talked about it on this show I, I absolutely love that episode and it was directed and storyboarded by Steven Hillenberg so it's just really funny that one of my favorite Rocco's Modern Life episodes has to do with deep sea fishing and it just kind of goes hand in hand with Steven, Hill Steven Hillenberg's love so it really isn't that weird that we eventually got an episode of Spongebob having to do with fishing and I think it pairs really well with Fish and Chumps there. There's actually a lot of season four directed by Steven Hillenberg. It's pretty much him, Doug Lawrence, and Jeff Swampy Marsh that, that really uh, got like the... They were almost playing hot potato with with season four there. And if, if for those that don't know Jeff Swampy Marsh, he is the uh, he is the creator of... One of the creators of Phineas and Ferb. But uh, he directed a lot of episodes in, in uh, I See His Name Coming Up and Dan Pav Pavenmeyer, who also directed uh, and created Phineas and Ferb. Uh, I see his name popping up in, in season one of Rocco and uh, and Jeff Marsh in season two. Uh, a bunch of, like, man, there's a, Rocco's Modern Life really put a lot of people on the map. Uh, and really set the stage for a lot in the future of animation. So it stated its claim. But that was the episode Hooky. Uh, certainly, I I would say I think it would fall in the top half of my favorite episodes of season one. But I, I don't think it would even make the top ten. I, I like it. It's certainly fun. It's kind of a, a good lesson to, to, you know, to not really play with danger. It's like when you're a kid and you're playing with fire and you're told everybody and their mother is going to tell you don't play with fire and you really shouldn't. And then there's that one time you're like, you know, nothing's going to happen. And then something happens, you know, fire can, of course, be fun. But at the same time, it's something very dangerous. So kind of the idea of uh, of the hooks here, you know, yeah, you can have fun with them. But but the danger really outweighs the fun you can have and, and kind of the same thing with with fire or anything like that, that uh that you should kind of heed people's warning to play with. Uh, but that is this episode of I'm Ready. Thank you, everybody who has listened through this episode. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving. Don't go crazy this year on Black Friday. Keep a lot of it online because uh, hopefully, you know, uh, these stores, let me tell you, with the retail experience I have, uh, th this week can definitely be uh, be so stressful just to kind of get through. Uh, but if you are working retail on Black Friday, my, my heart is with you. Keep your head up. Uh, do, do whatever you can to keep your mental health up. Don't forget, if you have a couple minutes out of your day, give somebody a call who you might be, uh, who you might think is going through a rough time or is struggling a little bit. That, that call can mean a world of difference and can recharge someone's batteries just knowing that there's someone out there who's willing to call them. But uh, stay safe, enjoy the holiday, and we'll see you here next week. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. 
right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.